You know what should happen to Afghanistan? They should go the way and the route of every other civilization that became extinct. Yes, I said that. Welcome to the Straight Talk Podcast. I'm your host, America Sheriff David Clark. A couple things uh, to start the program. Make sure, first of all, thanks for tuning in. Uh, make sure you pass it on. Tell your friends, relatives, anybody else if they want um, some podcast listening that isn't cookie cutter. It's not full of drama and hyperbole. It's a different approach, more logical, more pragmatic view of the world. That's what I have. That's what I'm known for. I want to comment just briefly on this new report that came out last week from some House committee that finds evidence of the Biden family corruption based off of bank records that connected the dots. I thought they did a good job of doing that, connected the dots. The thing I worry about, we all know Biden's corrupt. We all know his son is corrupt. We all know that there was influence peddling with the position of Vice President of the United States. I think the case was made, and that's just the opening. They said there's more. But ladies and gentlemen, we've been to this point in time and this point in history as it relates to people in Washington, D.C., mainly Democrats, and how they escape accountability. I mean, there was ample evidence that Hillary Clinton had a secret server, and she violated how she handled classified documents on a secret service server that was not protected. And so, and then you look at the, the, the Steele dossier, you look at the Trump-Russia collusion, where people at the highest levels of the federal government, mainly liberals, protectors of Democrats, were engaged in, the illegal behavior they were engaged in, and nobody was held accountable. And so here we are again, and just this is just me talking, folks. You can do what you want. I'm not going to allow Washington, D.C. political theater to take me down that rabbit hole once again and get my hopes built up that finally some Democrat will be who's engaged in illegal behavior will be held accountable. And what I mean by that, frog marched perp walked into a federal court and read the charges from an indictment document. Until I see an indictment, I'm not getting all excited about this. I see this thing ending. Call me pessimistic if you want, but I've seen this movie before. I know how it ends. And it ends the same way each time when it comes to a Democrat. I don't expect anything's going to happen. I think what we're going to see here is this long, drawn-out theater. I don't know how you're going to get an indictment. The Congress can't indict. All they can do is send this over to the United States Department of Justice, headed by Merrick Garland, for heaven's sakes, and present the case and say, hey, here's what we found. We think there's some criminal activity here and we want you to investigate it. They can do that. 
That doesn't mean Merrick Garland has to do it, number one. And they're going to do like they they always do. They're going to just ride it out. Ride it out. Hope to get by November of 2024. Just like they did with Russia collusion. Ride it out. So we'll see what happens there. I may have more to say on it in future podcast segments. But like I said, I've seen this movie before. I want to comment, turn the page a little bit here and comment on this case out of New York City. You probably have heard about it. I don't know how you couldn't. Where an ex-Marine, Daniel Perry, he's now been charged in Alvin Bragg's Manhattan, New York City prosecutor's office. He's been charged with second-degree manslaughter in the death of uh, some guy named Neely. It was a black guy, and Denny's a white guy. So, you know, you got the, I'm sorry, Daniel Penny. You got the race thing going on there. Apparently, this Neely character was suffering from mental illness. He's on the New York City subway train. Raising hell. He's a schizophrenic, probably not on his meds. Threatening passengers. Folks, this has become life on the New York City subway system once again. This had been cleaned up under Mayor Giuliani with Commissioner William Bratton as the NYPD commissioner. As a matter of fact, before that, Bratton was the head of the transit police. At at one time, these were two separate entities. Transit police did the tunnels, bridges, and subway, and NYPD was a separate above-ground law enforcement agency, traditional law enforcement agency. And Bratton developed and he implemented his broken windows theory. It actually wasn't his creation, but he became the test for it. And so they employed some tactics. They stopped the turnstile jumping. They pushed all of these homeless crooks and these other unsavory characters. They pushed them above ground. These folks had set up an encampment, for heaven's sakes. They were living underground in the subway system. Public urination. Like I said, threatening behavior, harassing riders, and it became part of the culture of riding the subway system. And people didn't like it, but they just accepted it. But can you imagine that? For many New Yorkers, that's their only means of transportation. Getting around in New York City in a car is impossible. So they used the subway system. Can you imagine going to work every day? You got to go to work and you have to come home riding this system. Can you imagine going to school or anything else, anywhere else you want to go into New York City? You have to use the subway system. Can you imagine the anxiety and the tension? Oh, here I go. On that escalator ride down into the belly of New York City. I've ridden on that subway system. I've ridden the subway system in Washington, D.C., San Francisco, the Bay Area Rapid Transit, the BART, 
I've been on the L in Chicago, although that one's above ground. It's a public transportation system, and everybody and anybody's on that thing. So this guy, Neely's on there. Like I said, he's threatening and, and, and harassing passengers. And he said, I don't care. I'll take a bullet. I'll go to jail because he would kill people on the train, some woman said of Neely. He said, I would kill the MFR. I don't care. Well, finally, Daniel Penny said, enough. Enough of you and your erratic, threatening, unlawful, disorderly behavior. And he went to secure the guy. And he put him in a headlock. Yeah, I know they like to say chokehold. He put him in a headlock. Neely continued to struggle. A couple other passengers jumped in. And before they got to the next, by the time they got to the next stop, Jordan Neely had stopped moving and was pronounced dead shortly after. And then the usual suspects came out. Black Lives Matter, the agitators. They're not protesters, they're agitators, they're troublemakers, they're rebel rousers. And they demanded justice for Jordan Neely. They're not looking for justice, they're looking for revenge. They didn't even have all the facts. They never took into consideration, they never will, the fact that Neely's been arrested over 40 times for violations of the law, including some serious assaultive offenses. They don't care about that. Here's an opportunity to engage in race politics for these troublemakers called Black Lives Matter. So they take to the streets, demanding justice. Unfortunately for Daniel Penny, the former Marine, case is being reviewed by Alvin Bragg's office. The politically active, woke district attorney in New York City. So as I indicated, he's been charged. I'm not surprised he was charged. Not when you're talking about Alvin Bragg. But here's the thing about Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg has a history of not charging people. And in the instance of some very serious criminal behavior, there's a study by the Manhattan Institute And they point out in their study that 69% of criminal cases in New York City are tossed out, meaning they're not charged. 69%, ladies and gentlemen, as a former law enforcement officer, 40 years, that doesn't pass the smell test. 70% of cases not charged. Now, criminal charging isn't supposed to be a rubber stamp, that every arrest that's made should result in a criminal charge. No, they have what's called prosecutorial discretion. Sometimes they make a decision, well, there's a better way to deal with this than a criminal charge, and they'll do whatever, right? Hold it open, hold it in abeyance, maybe send it to some other agents, you know, Social service agency to deal with it. Hey, this guy's got a mental problem. This guy's got a drug problem. Why don't you help him out? But then that person has to abide by those terms. 40 times? 
Do you know anybody that's been arrested 40 times? The guy's not that old. Joseph M. Wanted with the Constitutionalist Politics. Tune in for the upcoming episode for May 4. Issue, never the issue, as well as guests Peter Serafin, Rosemary Downer, Don Gallade, Gista the Rapper, Cy Young, Jason Perry, and upcoming Jack Hagar, Andrew Thorpe King, Trent Rock, Ed Temple, Chris Morehouse, and more. Please tune in to Constitutionalist Politics. God bless. So then his Neely, the, the, the guy who's dead now, his aunt, she said, the system failed, Jordan. No, the system didn't fail, Jordan. The system failed the law-abiding people of the city of New York. The system failed Daniel Penny by not keeping this clown Neely off the streets. And not just Neely, but these other people that have no business mingling among decent law-abiding people. They're dangerous. This guy suffered from schizophrenia. Those people are scary. To be around, especially when you feel trapped like you're on a subway car. You have no escape route if the guy decides to turn on you. And I'll tell you what I see out of this case, and I'm seeing more of it. People are saying, enough of this. The prosecutor's office won't prosecute people. The police aren't making arrests. Arrests are down in New York City, by the way. Well, and the police figure, why should we arrest? Nothing's going to happen to the guy anyway. It's called quiet resignation. So in that date, in, in that data as well, of that 69% are tossed out and not charged, 82% of misdemeanors are tossed out. Don't even charge them. Misdemeanors. And 54% of felonies, half of felony arrests, Result in no criminal charge. There are certain people based on a number of criteria, right? Not just because it's guy's first arrest. We're not talking about a first arrest, a first time offender. We're not talking about low level defenders or defendants. Repeat, repeat, repeat. The message they're sending, Jordan Neely and others, is we're not going to punish you for your unwanted behavior. So why should he stop, he figures, and others? Why should I stop? Nobody's going to do anything to me about this. So Penny gets involved on behalf of himself and the other subway riders, just trying to restrain the guy until they get to the next uh, stop. And he fought the entire way. Struggle. It's kneeling. So now Penny... Former Marine is at the mercy of Alvin Bragg. Man, I'll tell you what, I would hate that. To have my fate in his hands. This Soros-supported woke DA 
who's on a political mission, mission, he's not on a legal mission. And, you know, prosecutors have this thing called prosecutorial discretion. In my experience, not my opinion, in my experience as a homicide detective, I've investigated other types of crimes, this was nothing more than an accidental death. Of course, he wasn't trying to kill Jordan Neely. And, but, see, that's why they went with manslaughter. You don't have to have intent. You don't have to prove that he intended to kill this guy. But I don't think what Penny did, Daniel Penny, I don't think it was unreasonable under the circumstances. People were scared. People have had it. And here's an opportunity, ladies and gentlemen. Here's a huge opportunity for the people of New York who are disgusted. They've been interviewed. And not just about this case. They're disgusted with the actions of this woke prosecutor, Alvin Bragg. They're disgusted about the type of behavior that's tolerated now in public spaces. They're disgusted with being victimized by crime, violence, and disorder. And here's a chance for them. I, I think he's going to have Bragg's going to have a hard time impaneling a jury. He's got to get all twelve. The defense only needs one holdout. Many people sitting on that jury are going to be from this same population of law-abiding people that see this happening more and more and more, and they're tired of it. And they're going to go in there probably with some sympathy for Penny. There's one lady who was quoted in the story, 66-year-old woman. And she was on that train. And here's what she had to say. There's a quote from her. I hope he has a great lawyer and I'm praying for him, the 66-year-old woman said. And I pray that he gets treated fairly. I really do, because after all of this ensued, I went back and made sure that I said thank you to Daniel Penny. You see what I mean? People have had it. And in the absence of the government to carry out their highest priority responsibility as a governmental agency, it's to secure the personal safety of citizens and are not doing it anymore. And when they don't do it, they have to allow citizens to do it themselves in a reasonable fashion. Like I said, I don't think this is unreasonable. It's because he put them in the head. How else are you going to secure this goof? Trying to hold on to his arm? Daniel Penny is a former Marine. He's trained in survival skills. Defending himself. Hand-to-hand -hand combat. That's what this was. His, his training instincts and experience kicked in here. I just got to hold on to this guy. You can't expect that he's going to perform, if you will, the way we would expect a law enforcement officer who's trained in a different sort of way. Defense and arrest tactics are different than survival tactics. You just can't expect it. It's unreasonable. That's why I said I don't think what Penny did was unreasonable. I think it was reasonable. Under the circumstances, not should he have gotten involved. Well, he should have done this. He should have left it to the police. Police are nowhere to be found.
on that transit system that you might see one or two on the platform. They're not riding these trains. It's kind of like the air marshal system in the skies. You hear of these disorderly acts going on on airliners in the air. Unruly, uh, unruly passenger. You don't see any air marshals jump to the, you know, front and, and take over and get involved because they're not on the airplanes. It's a big lie. The air marshals program. So that's what we're faced with here with this case. I hope the guys acquitted because I don't think beyond a reasonable doubt that. Bragg is going to be able to to prove this. Now, of course, he's going to try to find jurors, you know, that are going to be sympathetic to Black Lives Matter and Jordan Neely. But, you know, the the defense attorney, he'll be able to strike jurors too. And like I said, all he needs is one. He just needs one sympathetic New Yorker that says, I know what this is like. I deal with it all the time. I'm done with these politically active legal system people who have responsibility to uphold the law. They have responsibility to the law, not to an activist group. So we'll see what happens there. The country is under attack from within like never before. Bulldog TV and its community is leading the way to an open and honest media. Join Bulldog TV today by following Bulldog TV on Facebook and Truth Social. You talk about race, crime, and politics. Some folks lose sleep over this, but not me. Because I sleep just fine on my Giza Dream Sheets and Pillow from my pillow, Especially this new 2.0. If you haven't gotten yours yet, you are missing out. Just go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CLARK, at C-L-A-R-K-E, and save up to 66% off. The direct link is also available on my website, americasheriff.com. Get a great night's sleep so we can continue the fight. Let's turn the page once again. This kind of goes back to the first thing I talked about with this finding by this House Oversight Committee that the Biden family was engaged in criminal behavior. But there's an aspect of it I want to focus on here. It's not, you know, what I opened with, whether I'm holding out hope and all that. But it's our runaway federal bureaucracy. And once again, and you've heard me talk extensively on this podcast, hammering the FBI, and making the case that they should be abolished. I'd settle for defunding them first, doing this systematically, because you're never going to get Congress, and not even if, if, if two-thirds of, of the House and the Senate was controlled by the GOP, you're never going to get them to dissolve a federal agency. Never. And it isn't just the FBI. The DEA, it's the uh, Department of Education, Department of Agriculture, all those things should be dissolved. But I'm going to continue to make the case about the FBI. Now, here's what's different with the FBI. 
these other federal bureaucracies like the Department of Education, Department of Agriculture, and some of those folks, they don't have the authority and the power that the FBI has. The FBI can make arrests. The FBI can put a case together and ruin your life. Very few of the other federal agencies have that kind of awesome authority. And I maintain that the federal government and even the states, we don't have a need for a law enforcement agency that's corrupt. We have no need for a law enforcement agency we can't trust. We have no need for a law enforcement agency that thinks they're above the law. So in this investigation of Biden, I come across this aspect of it. FBI won't give Congress whistleblower document alleging Biden bribery scheme. The FBI, from the story here, the Washington Times, the FBI does not deny that it has a whistleblower document alleging then-Vice President Biden engaged in a bribery scheme with a foreign national, but it won't turn it over to Congress, they said. Bureau officials told the House Oversight Committee and Accountability Committee Wednesday they would not comply with a subpoena seeking a whistleblower report. Let me stop there. A subpoena is binding. You don't have a choice. Now, you can make a claim of my ah, Fifth Amendment. It might, it, it, it might uh, you know, implicate me in wrongdoing or whatever. You can make that claim. But you, you have to go into court and say, hey, I don't want to turn this over because it might violate my right against self-incrimination. You can do that. That's part of the process. The FBI is not saying anything. We're not turning it over. So the FBI did respond with a letter, you know, this, and it just basically said, go pound sand. Here's their justification. This guy, Mr. Dunham, Christopher Dunham, he's the um, spokesperson, so to speak, for the office of the FBI. No, he's actually the acting assistant director. He said, handling over such a document, even though it is not classified, and that's key here, could result in outsiders reviewing unverified information out of context without protecting the integrity and confidentiality of the sources and the information. That excuse is used so often by the FBI for one reason. They don't want to turn over information that would be highly damaging to their integrity, their competency, and their trustworthiness. It would be embarrassing. So they tried to hide it. And they tried to hide, well, we can't do that because it'll compromise the investigation. Well, we can't turn it over because it's unverified. Well, we can't turn it over because, you know, it's highly sensitive and, and it could get people killed. It's all BS, ladies and gentlemen. And at the very least, if they really believe this, then they should go into federal court and say, you know, judge, we, we, here's why. And a judge can have a closed-door session. And then the judge should ask questions. Well, what's so highly confidential here? What do you mean you haven't unverified it? Well, you, you haven't verified it. Why not? Ask some questions. And then the judge should make an independent determination. This isn't going to compromise national security, for heaven's sakes. 
But no, they're just not going to do it. So then as Dunham goes on to say, significant harm to investigative work and to the programs as a whole could result from disseminating the FD-1023 or other similar documents. So it says here the response comes one week after Chairman James Comer, Kentucky Republican, subpoenaed the FBI for the document, which was filed with the FBI, get this, in June of 2020, they had this whistleblower report. It is 2023. They've had over two years to investigate the validity of this information and this document, and they didn't because they never thought it would come to light. They were hiding their behavior. And that gets back to this oversight, constitutional oversight role of the Congress. They are our elected representatives who are charged by the Constitution with oversight over the federal government, meaning the other branches and mainly the executive, and the federal bureaucracy, meaning the FBI. They have oversight authority, the Congress. And the specific constitutional aspect is in Article 1, Section 8. And it says the Congress has the authority to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all other powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof. The Necessary and Proper Clause allows the Congress to have oversight authority over this government. And the FBI is basically saying, we don't care. We don't care about no stinking Constitution. We don't care about your authority. We're going to do what we think is best. We're going to do what we want to do. So they're basically not just turning over a subpoenaed record. Now we're going to find out, you know, I, I, I label that initial thing I talked about in the opening of this podcast, political theater. We're going to find out. Congress should be livid. They already should have gone into court and told the judge, hey, judge, we need this record. We have the authority for it. We issued a subpoena, and we want the record. Have the FBI say, well, it's going to come. Well, we don't care. We're not going to release it to the public, but we want it as part of our investigation, and you must turn it over. And any judge worth their salt should know the Constitution, well, they have oversight authority. Uh, yeah, I guess you got to turn it over. This, people have gone to jail. Steve Bannon went to jail for not complying with a Subpoena. He was called to testify during that January 6th nonsense. And he said, I'm, I'm protected by, uh, you know, the executive authority separation of powers. And the judge said, no, you're not. And he was arrested and charged with contempt. And that's what should happen here. So we're going to find out how serious 
this GOP House Committee's authority is or how serious they take this. Because I just think it's all theater. It's all saber rattling. I mean, they said, what's taking, what's taking them so long to go into court? I'm talking about the House GOP Oversight Committee. What's taking them so long? And the FBI's had this since 2020. And one of the questions that one of the members, GOP members, had on this thing, they also want to know what you did with the information when you got it. Did you investigate it? This happened three years ago. Almost to the day, it was June of 2020. What investigation was done that the vice president of the United States may be involved in bribery schemes, criminality, selling the office of vice president for influence. They should have been alarmed by this. And don't forget Merrick Garland wasn't the attorney general at the time. It was probably Bill Barr. This goes back that far. Because it says Biden was still vice president of the United States, which means the administration hadn't been turned over yet. What was Bill Barr doing? Another D.C. insider. So now, Comer is now the chair of the Oversight Committee, James Comer, Republican, Kentucky. Here's a story from back in December of 2022. USA News. Representative James Comer calls for dismantling the disgraced FBI investigating Facebook and Google. Ranking member of the House Oversight Committee, James Comer, announced that he favors dismantling the disgraced FBI and launching investigations into the activities of big tech giants like Google and Facebook. So he says here, quote from Comer, when we knew the disgraced FBI was the one communicating with the three Twitter employees, that this was Russian disinformation. This is over Hunter's laptop. So the FBI is communicating with Twitter employees and says this is Russian disinformation. So Comer says this is serious. What else are they involved in at the disgraced FBI? The entire FBI needs to be dismantled. I second that motion. And I've said so long before today. And it's in the public domain. You'll probably find it under one of the, you know, the the Clark haters, the Daily Beast and whatnot, you know, uh, inflammatory remarks made by former Sheriff Clark, the controversial blah, 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 blah. No, I meant it. And I made the case. I don't throw flames. I'm not a flamethrower. I went through the litany of illegal activity going on within the entire structure of the FBI, top to bottom. Get rid of it. There is no reforming the FBI. The corruption is part of their culture. So now that Comer's in charge, let's, let's find out how serious he is. I mean, this FBI, they're acting like 
the Stasi, for heaven's sakes. You know, that German law enforcement, secret police of the German Democrat Republic, East Germany. It was one of the most hated and feared institutions of the East German communist government. The Stasi, the FBI. Just take Stasi out and put FBI in there. This here, uh, a column on the Stasi from Britannica, whose formal role was not defined in legislation. It was responsible for both domestic political surveillance and foreign espionage. And it was overseen by the ruling Socialist Unity Party. It became a highly effective secret police organization. That's what the FBI is acting like. A secret police organization. Feeling they're accountable to no one. It sought to infiltrate infiltrate every institution of society and every aspect of daily life, including the intimate, personal, and familial relationships. How about the FBI trying to infiltrate the Catholic Church? They've infiltrated big tech. They're acting like the Stasi. That's not hyperbole. That's not throwing a flame. You know, I took you through a litany of things that the FBI's been involved in over the years. Years. Decades. Let me just read some headlines from it. Here's one lawmakers to FBI had request information about FBI illegal spying. Here's one from a Democrat. Democrat senator demands FBI explain how it hacks Americans. Here's another one. FBI caught in massive scandal. All credibility lost. Senator Chuck Grassley was intense on Sunday when he talked to former U.S. House Rep. Trey Gowdy about whistleblowers within the FBI who were pointing fingers at the FBI's top brass who told him one of the agent's actions in particular was critical to creating two tiers of justice within the department and was working to discredit allegations against Hunter Biden, son of President, Vice President, well, now President Joe Biden while elevating nonsense charges against Donald Trump. Another headline, Department of Justice's FBI has systemic misconduct problems and isn't reporting serious issues with agents. Another headline, Inspector General Audit finds widespread problems with FBI's FISA applications. Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz issued a report on the FBI's applications to surveil U.S. citizens, finding widespread failure that raises serious questions and criticizing agents for not fixing flaws spotted in previous audits. I said it's corrupt from top to bottom. Here's another one. Inspector General finds deep-rooted irresponsibility at the FBI. Here's another one. FBI undercover program threatens national security with mismanagement and poor training, the Department of Justice Inspector General says. FBI operatives conducting undercover investigations have been hampered by poor training and a lack of supervision by unqualified case coordinators, putting agents' lives and the nation's security at risk, according to a withering report issued Tuesday by the Department of Justice watchdog. See, they claim when they want to hide stuff, well, national security is at risk. But they're engaging in behavior that is actually putting national security at risk. Here's another one. 
I'm making the case, ladies and gentlemen, that this isn't a one-off with the FBI. They're no good. Ex-FBI lawyer tried to label Trump, don't be afraid of COVID polls as misinformation. A top Twitter executive wanted to label as misinformation President Trump's upbeat polls telling Americans, don't be afraid of COVID after he overcame the viral disease in 2020. This is the FBI. Tell them, don't believe the, the, the president's comments. Here's another one. Twitter files show FBI offered executive top secret info to guide 2020 election censor- censorship. Top secret information being revealed to Twitter executives. And yet with this other document they don't want to turn over to the House Oversight Committee? Well, it's, it's, it's sensitive information. It might compromise national security. And they're giving this crap to Twitter executives. Here's another one. Twitter files reveal flood of FBI emails, back-channel tools used by feds to censor posts. Coordination between the FBI and a top Twitter official on censoring posts included more than 150 emails with agents between January of 2020 and November of 2022, the latest drop of internal documents released as part of the Elon Musk's Twitter files. Again, you know, turning over sensitive information to and and interfering in U.S. elections. This is the behavior of this organization. Here's another one. Twitter files fuel suspicions that the FBI tipped the scales for Biden in 2020. This stuff is sickening, and it's dangerous. You wonder why I refer to them as the Stasi? We have a secret police agency in the federal government. It's called the FBI. So when this sort of behavior happened, I don't know, it's 40, 50 years ago with the FBI and CIA and other intel agencies. And then how about those clowns? How about all those clowns, the 51 former intel people who signed that letter calling Hunter Biden's laptop Russian disinformation? What about those clowns? Clapper, Brennan, working with the Biden campaign during the 2020 election to provide cover. Well, they'll believe you guys. You guys are the intel experts. You know what Russian disinformation. No, they don't. They don't know Russian disinformation any more than I do, any more than you do. I mean, all you got to do is go back to the Steele dossier. Again, the FBI involved in the Steele dossier using a former, is it MI5 or MI6, UK intel agency discredited uh, informant, Christopher Steele, discredited. And the FBI knew it and they ran with it anyway to go get a search warrant to spy on Trump's presidential campaign. You have to be more than unnerved about this. You have to be more than outraged. 
by this. We have to get rid of the FBI. People ask me, what are we going to replace it with? I don't know. I don't care. All I know is we don't need the FBI. Famous, but incompetent and corrupt. Attention, patriots. Looking for a great book? Let me recommend the greatest story ever told. The We the People Bible is available for the first time in history. This Bible is for those who believe it is time to give America back to God. Faith is being targeted, and our country's founding beliefs are being targeted. The We the People Bible is restoring what there is an attempt to remove, the preservation of faith and the preservation of America. One of the most unique features of this Bible is that it includes the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and the Pledge of Allegiance as a bonus. This makes it a perfect heirloom to pass on to the generations to come. It is time to give America back to God, and this Bible is a great way to do just that. Get one for yourself and another as a gift for a friend or family member. Go to americasheriff.com and click on the Bible link to order today while supplies last. Friends, I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of Straight Talk with yours truly, America Sheriff David Clark. And a special thank you also goes out to our sponsors. My goal, as always, is to break down these complex and many times controversial issues and bring it to you straight with a little dose of common sense, no media bias, no talking points, just truth. And this podcast would not be possible without your support. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite place to listen. And please share this message of common sense sense on social media. For more content, be sure to follow me on Truth Social, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And just a reminder, we'd love for you to join our Straight Shooters VIP Podcast Club for only $5 per month. And with that membership, you'll receive invitations to attend private podcast events throughout the year as a VIP guest when we come to your town. Plus, if you join today, you'll also receive a free coffee mug and a sample of our private label coffee as long as supplies last. Subscribe and join at America Sheriff com. This podcast is brought to you by americasheriff.com with executive producer Judy Wilkinson of JL Wilkinson Consulting and producer Josh Wentz in partnership with our friends at Bulldog Media. If you are interested in partnering with Straight Talk Podcasts or having me speak in your area, please contact Judy at jlwilkinsonconsulting at gmail.com, 706-518-2116. That's jlwilkinsonconsulting at gmail.com. Phone number 706-518-2116.